0: Invisible Stanley, Chapter 2, by Jeff Brown. Chapter 2, Dr. Dan. What's that red balloon doing here, asked Dr. Dan. Well, never mind. Good morning, Mr. and Mrs. Lambchop. Something about Stanley, my nurse says. He's not been taken flat again, huh? No, no, said Mrs. Lambchop. Stanley has remained round. They mostly do, said Dr. Dan. Well, let's have the little fellow in. I am in, said Stanley, standing directly before him, holding the balloon. Ha ha, Mr. Lambchop, said Dr. Dan. You're an excellent ventriloquist, but I see through your little joke. What you see through, said Mr. Lambchop, is Stanley. Beg your pardon, said Dr. Dan. Stanley became invisible during the night, Mrs. Lambchop explained. "We are quite unsettled by it. Headache, Dr. Dan asked Stanley's balloon. Throat sore, stomach upset. I feel fine, Stanley said. I see. Hmm, Dr. Dan shook his head. Frankly, despite my long years of practice, I've not run into this before. But one of my excellent medical books, Difficult and Peculiar Cases, by Dr. Franz Gemister, may help. He took a large book from the shelf behind him and looked into it. Ah, Disappearances, page 134. He found the page. Hmm, not much here, I'm afraid. France, 1851. Madame Polenck vanished while eating bananas in the rain. Spain, 1923. The Gonzalez twins, age 11, became invisible after eating fruit salad. Lightning had been observed. The most recent case in 1968 is Umbach, an Eskimo chief, last seen eating canned peaches during a blizzard. Dr. Dan returned the book to the shelf. That's it, he said. Jemmeister suspects a connection between bad weather and fruit. It stormed last night, said Stanley, and I ate an apple raisins too. There you are, said Dr. Dan, but we must look on the bright side, Mr. and Mrs. Lambchop. Stanley seems perfectly healthy, except for the visibility factor. We'll just keep an eye on him. Easier said than done, said Mr. Lambchop. Why do his clothes also disappear? Not my field, I'm afraid, said Dr. Dan. I suggest a textile specialist. Do you know what textile means? Textile means uh, fabric or clothing. So he says, I don't know why his clothes are disappearing. Maybe you should go ask someone who specializes in clothing. We've kept you long enough, Doctor, Mrs. Lambchop said. Come, George Stanley. Where are you, Stanley? Ah, just hold the balloon a bit higher, dear. Goodbye, Dr. Dan. By dinner time, Mr. and Mrs. Lambchop and Arthur have been quite sad. The red balloon, though useful in locating Stanley, kept reminding them of how much they missed his dear face and smile. But after dinner, Mrs. Lambchop, who was artistically talented, replaced the red balloon with a pretty white one and got out her watercolor paints. Using four colors and several delicate brushes, she painted an excellent likeness of Stanley smiling on the white balloon. It looks just like him, doesn't it, Abigail? I thought it was a red balloon. They got a new one. They got a Mm -hmm. white one so that she could paint on it. Everyone became at once more cheerful. Stanley said he almost felt like his old self again, especially when he looked in the mirror. (laughs) Chapter 3, The First Days. The next morning, Mrs. Lambtrop wrote a note to Stanley's teacher, tied a stronger string to his balloon, and set him off to school. He went to school invisible. Mm -hmm. Dear Mrs. Benchley, the note said... "'Stanley has unexpectedly become invisible. "'You'll find the balloon a useful guide to his presence. "'Sincerely, Harriet Lambchop.'" I can't believe they sent him to school like that. Uh "'Miss Benchley spoke to the class. "'We must not stare at where we suppose Stanley to be,' she said, "'or gossip about his state.'" So she's saying nobody make fun of him, even though he's invisible. "'Nevertheless, word soon reached a newspaper. "'A reporter visited the school,' And his story appeared the next day. The headline said, "Smiling Student." Once you saw him, now you don't. Beneath it were two photographs, a before and after. So the before picture is a picture of the real Stanley sitting at his desk. And what's the after picture? Uh, he holding his balloon. He's invisible. Yeah, <laughs> the balloon that looks like him behind a desk. The before, taken by Miss Benchley a week earlier, showed a smiling Stanley at his desk. The after, taken by the reporter, showed only Stanley's desk and his smiley face balloon bobbing above it. The story included a statement by Miss Benchley that Stanley was in fact at the desk and, to the best of her knowledge, smiling. Mr. and Mrs. Lamchop bought several copies of the paper for out-of-town friends. Her colorful balloon artwork lost something in black and white, Mrs. Lambchop said, but on the whole it had photographed well. Arthur said that Invisible Boy's brother would have been an interesting picture, and that Stanley should suggest it if the reporter come around again. I need to Being invisible offered temptations, Mr. and Mrs. Lambchap warned, but Stanley must resist them. It would be wrong to spy on people, for example, or sneak up on them, or to hear what they are saying. But the next Saturday afternoon, when the Lambchops went to the movies, it was Arthur who could not resist. Don't buy a seat for Stanley, he whispered at the ticket window. Just hide his balloon. Who would know? That would be deceitful, dear, said Mrs. Lambchop. That means that it means they're lying if they didn't buy a seat for him at the movies just because he was invisible. Four seats, please, she told the ticket lady. We want one for our coats, you see. Wasn't that deceitful, sort of? Arthur asked as they went in. Not in the same way, said Mrs. lamchop tucking Stanley's balloon beneath his seat. Just as the film began, a very tall man sat directly in front of Stanley, blocking his view. Mr. Lambchop took Stanley on his lap, from which the screen was easily seen, and the people farther back saw right through him without even knowing it. Stanley greatly enjoyed the show. "'See,' said Arthur as they went out, "'Stanley didn't even need a seat.' "'You have a point,' said Mr. Lambchop, whose legs had gone to sleep.' His legs fell asleep because he was sitting on them. We'll read one more chapter. Chapter four, In the Park. It was Sunday afternoon. Arthur had gone to visit a friend. So Mr. and Mrs. Lambchop set out with Stanley for a nearby park. The streets were crowded and Stanley carried his balloon to lessen the risk of being jostled by people hurrying by. Near the park, they met Ralph Jones, an old college friend of Mr. Lambchop's. "'Always a treat running into your family, George,' said Mr. Jones. "'The older boy was flat once, I recall. "'You had rolled them up, and once you had a foreign lad with you. "'A prince, yes?' "'What a memory you have,' said Mr. Lambchop, "'recalling the young genie who had been with them at the time. "'How are you, Ralph?' said Mrs. Lambchop. "'Stanley, say hello to Mr. Jones.' "'Take care,' said Mr. Jones. "'That balloon is floating. Hmm. Actually, where is Stanley?' floating the balloon, Stanley said. I got invisible somehow. Is that so? First flat, now invisible. Ralph Jones shook his head. Kids, always one thing or another, eh, George? My oldest needs dental work. Well, I must run. Remember me to that prince. Prince Fawzi, Mustafa, Aslan, Mirza, Melik, Namur, Haraz, as I recall. A truly remarkable memory, said Mrs. Lambchop as Mr. Jones walked away. By a field in the park, the Lamb chops found a bench on to rest. On the field, children were racing bicycles round and round. Suddenly, Shouts rose, Give up, Billy. Billy's no good. Billy, silly Billy, he can't ride a bike. That must be Billy, said Miss Lamb Chop. for the little fellow so far behind the rest. Oh, dear, how he cheaters! Sailor remembered how nervous he had been when he was learning to ride and how his father had studied him. Poor Billy, if only... why? I'll do it, he thought, and tied his balloon to the bench. When Billy came around again, Stanley darted onto the field. Taking hold of the teetering bicycle from behind, he began to run. "Uh Uh-oh, said little Billy, surprised to be gaining speed. Stanley ran harder, keeping the bicycle steady. The pedals rose and fell faster and faster, then faster still. Yikes, cried Billy. So picture in your head, Billy is not going on his bike, and every time he tries to ride a bike, he falls over. So Stanley, being invisible, he grabbed the back of the bike, and he's helping Billy ride. Nice Stanley. Mm -hmm. Stanley ran as fast as he could. Soon they passed the boy riding just ahead, then another boy, and another. Not until they had passed all the other riders did Stanley, now out of breath, let go. Whee! Billy shouted and went round once more by himself you win, Billy, shouted the other boys. How did you get so good and so suddenly? You sure had us fooled. Stanley caught his his breath and returned to Mr. and Mrs. Lambchop on the bench. Too bad you missed it, Stanley, said Mr. Lambchop, pretending he had not guessed the truth. That teetery little boy, he rode very well suddenly. Oh, said Stanley, pretending also. I wasn't paying attention, I guess. Mister Lambchop gave him a little poke in the ribs. Half an hour passed, and mister La- Missus Lambchop worried that they Mommy, might be. S- those ones is not winning. They're not winning yet. No, There's not. Billy in the front cause Stanley's helping him. Invisible Stanley. Half an hour passed, and Missus Lambchop worried that they might be sitting too long in the sun. And Stanley's present state, she said over tanning would be difficult to be detect. He helping. He helping. Mm-hmm. Just then, a young man and a pretty girl strode past hand in hand and halted no, the grove trees not, close by. he not win, or oh, he not win, or oh, he not win. Yeah, the other not. He, he Yep. Yeah. That is Philip, the son of my dear friend, Mrs. Hobson. Like we know someone named Philip. Mrs. Lambchup said. And the girl must be his sweetheart, Lucia. Such a sad story. They're in love, and Philip wants very much to propose marriage, but he's too shy. He tries and tries, Mrs. Hodgson says, but each time his courage fails, and Lucia is too timid to coax the proposal from him. Mr. Lambchop was not the least bit shy. I'll go introduce myself, he said, and pop the question for him. No, George, Mrs. Lambchuck shook her head. Lucia must hear the words from Philip's own lips. An idea came to Stanley. I'll be right back, he said and ran to the grove in which the young couple stood. Once next to them, he stood very still. Nice day, Lucia, don't you think, Philip was saying. Though they say it may rain. Who knows? You're quite white, I'm sure, Philip, the girl replied. I do value your opinions about the weather. You are kind, very kind, Philip trembled a bit. Lucia, I want to ask, I mean, would you consent that is, he gulped. What a pretty dress you have on. Thank you, said Lucia. I like your necktie. You were saying, Philip? Ah, said Philip. Right, yes. For some time now, (coughs) bless you. Now, dear Lucia, my dearest wish. Oh, my. I want. He bit his lip. He's getting really nervous, huh, guys? Look, a dark cloud. There in the west. It may rain after all. So he's nervous to ask her her to marry him. So he keeps talking about the weather instead because he's so nervous. I hope not, Lucia seemed close to tears. I mean, if it rained, well, we will get wet. This is very boring, Stanley thought. The conversation grew even more boring. Again and again, Philip failed to declare his love, chattering instead about the weather or the tree or children playing in the park. I want to ask, dear Lucia, Philip began again for perhaps the 20th time. If you will, that is, if you, if. Yes, said Lucia, also perhaps for the 20th time. What Philip, what do you wish to say? Stanley leaned forward. Lucia said Philip, hm, ah, uh, I. He's so nervous, huh? Is he going to say it. Marry me said Stanley, making his voice as much like Philip's as he could. Lucia's eyes opened wide. I will, Philip, she cried. Of course I will marry you. Philip looked as if he might faint. What did I? You will? Lucia hugged him, and they kissed. "'I've proposed at last,' cried Philip. "'I can hardly believe I spoke the words.' "'You didn't, Stanley,' thought. "'Cause it was what? Who said it?' "'Stanley.' "'An invisible Stanley behind the tree said it.' "'Mr. and Mrs. Lambchop had seen the lover's hug. "'Well done, Stanley,' they said when he returned to their bench "'and several more times on the way home. "'Mrs. Hodgson called that evening to report that Philip and Lucia would soon be married,' How wonderful, Mrs. Lambchop said. She had glimpsed them in the park just that afternoon. Such a handsome pair, so much in love. Stanley teased. You said never to sneak up on people or spy on them, but I did today. Are you mad at me? Oh, very angry, said Mrs. Lambchop. She was being sarcastic, right? She actually meant the opposite. And she kissed him on top of his head. Okay. And that is the end of chapter four, and we will read the next chapters tomorrow. Goodbye. Bye bye, everyone. So, welcome back to a Book of Day Kids story time. Today we're in Invisible Stanley chapter two. Chapter five. Chapter five. <laughs> Invisible Stanley chapter five, the TV show. <laughs> Arthur was feeling left out. Stanley always gets to have interesting adventures, he said. And that newspaper story was just about him. Nobody seems interested in me. So this is Stanley's little brother. He's upset because Stanley's getting all the attention because he's invisible. The best way to get attention, dear, said Mrs. Lambchop, is by one's character. Be kind and fair. Cheerfulness as as much admired as is wit. So he's saying, if you just be a kind person and be happy, people will pay attention to you. I can't imagine all that, said Arthur. Mrs. Lambchop spoke privately to Stanley. Your brother is a bit jealous, she said. When I was flat, Arthur was jealous because people stared at me, Stanley said. Now they can't see me at all, and he's jealous again. Mrs. Lambchop sighed. If you can find a way to cheer him up, please do. The very next day, an important TV person phoned Mr. Lambchop. Teddy Talker here, Lambchop, he said host of the enormously popular TV show, Talking with Teddy Talker. Will Stanley appear on it? It would please us to have Stanley appear anywhere at all, Mr. Lambshop said. People can't see him, you know. I'll just say he's there, said Teddy Talker. Speak to the boy, let me know. Stanley said that he did not particularly care to go on TV, but then he remembered about cheering up Arthur. All right, he said, but Arthur too. He likes to tell jokes and do magic tricks, Say we will both be on the show. Arthur was very pleased, and that evening the brothers planned what they would do. The next morning, Mr. Lambchop told Teddy Talker, Excellent plan, said the TV man, this Friday, yes? Thank you, Lambchop. Welcome, everybody, said Teddy Talker that Friday evening from the stage of his TV show. Wonderful guests tonight, including an invisible boy. In the front row, applauding with the rest of the audience, Mr. and Mrs. Lambchop thought of Stanley and Arthur now waiting in a dressing room backstage. How excited they must be. The other guests were already seated on the sofa by Teddy Talker's desk. He chatted first with a lady who had written a book about sausage, next with a tennis champion who had become a rabbi, then with a very pretty young woman who had won a beauty contest, but planned now to devote herself to the cause of world peace. At last came the announcement that began the Lamb Chop plan. Invisible Stanley has been delayed, but will be here shortly, Teddy Talker told the audience. Meanwhile, we are fortunate in having with us his very talented brother. Protests arose from the crowd. Brother? A visible brother? Oh, good thing we got in free. Ladies and gentlemen, said Teddy Talker, mirth and magic with Arthur Lamb Chop. Arthur stepped out onto the stage wearing a smart black magician's cape. Mrs. Lambchop had made for him, and carrying a small box which he placed on Teddy Tucker's desk. Hello, everybody, he said. The box is for later. Now let's have fun. Have you heard the story about the three holes in the ground? He waited, smiling. Well, well, well. Two people laughed, but that was all. I don't understand, said a lady sitting behind Mr. and Mrs. Lambchop. Mr. Lambchop turned around in his seat. A well is a hole in the ground, he said. Well, 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 that's three holes. Ah, I see, said the lady. A riddle, ladies and gentlemen, cried Arthur. Where do kings keep their armies? I don't know. Where, someone called. You don't know? In their sleeves, said Arthur. They keep their armies in their sleeves. Many people laughed now, including the lady who had missed the first joke. I got that one, she said. A mind-reading trick now, Arthur announced. He shuffled a deck of cards and let Teddy Talker draw one. Don't let me see it, he said, but look at it. Picture it in your mind. I will concentrate using my magic powers. Arthur closed his eyes. Hmm, your card, sir, is the four of hearts. It is, cried Teddy Talker. It is the four of hearts. Voices rose again. Incredible. He can read minds. He's so young, too. Do that one again, lad. "'Certainly,' said Arthur. "'But he had used a false deck, "'and every card in that deck was the four of hearts, "'and the audience would surely guess that "'if the card was named again. "'Fortunately, the brothers had thought of this. "'Backstage, Stanley tied his balloon to a chair. "'Arthur now shuffled a real deck of cards, "'then called for a volunteer. "'When an elderly gentleman came up onto stage, "'Stanley tiptoed out to stand behind him. "'The audience applauded the volunteer,' How peculiar this is, Stanley thought. Hundreds of people looking, but not one can see me. Draw a card, sir, said Arthur. Thank you. Keep it hidden, but picture it in your mind. Again, closing his eyes, he pretended to be thinking very hard. A quick peek showed Stanley that the volunteer held the ten of clubs. He tiptoed over to whisper in his brother's ear. Arthur opened his eyes. I have it. The card is... The Ten of Clubs. So how did he know what the guy's card was? Because of the key. Because um, Invisible Stanley came and peeked and he whispered. And no one saw because he was invisible, <laughs> right? So his brother helped him out being invisible. He peeked over the guy's shoulder to see. Yes, bravo, cried the old gentleman. The audience clapped hard as he returned to his seat. Mr. Lambchop smiled at the lady behind him. Our son, he said. So clever, said the lady. What will he do next? Mrs. Lambchop drew a deep breath. That morning, Stanley and Arthur had borrowed a pet frog from the boy next door. What came next, she knew, would be the most daring part of the evening's plan. Ladies and gentlemen, said Arthur, a new kind of magic, Arthur Lambchop, that's me, and Henry, the air-dancing frog. He lifted Henry from the box on Teddy Talker's desk and held him up Henry, who appeared to be smiling, wore a little white shirt with an H on it and also made by Mrs. Lambchop. "'Fly, Henry!' cried Arthur. "'Fly out and stand still in the air!' Stepping forward, Stanley took Henry from Arthur's hands and ran to the far side of the stage. There he stopped, holding the frog above his head. Henry wiggled his legs. "'Amazing!' shouted the audience. "'Who'd believe it? That's some frog! What keeps him up there?' "'Circle, Henry!' Arthur commanded. "'Circle in the air!' "'Stanley walked rapidly in circles.'" So this whole time Stanley's doing this, but no one can see him, right? So the frog looked like it was flying. "'Stanley walked rapidly in circles, swaying Henry the frog as he went. "'The audience was tremendously impressed. "'What a fine magician, mind-reading and frog-flying. "'You don't see that every day.'" Pretending to control Henry's flight, Arthur kept a finger, pointed at Stanley, swooped the frog all around the stage. Whoops, cried Teddy Talker, as Henry flew above his desk. On the long sofa, the sausage rider and the tennis rabbi and the beauty winner ducked down. Even Mr. and Mrs. Lambchop, who knew the secret of Henry's flight, thought it was an amazing sight. At last, to great applause, Arthur took Henry into his own hands and returned him to the little box. Stanley tiptoed off to get his smiley face balloon. The plan now called for Teddy Talker to announce the arrival of the invisible boy and introduce him. "'but Arthur had stepped forward again. "'Thank you for cheering me,' he told the audience, "'but I have something to say. "'That first mind-reading trick, I really did do that one. "'But the second one, actually, I can't read minds at all. "'And the frying frog, fry, flying frog, he...' "'Voices rose. "'He can't read minds? We've been lied to? "'The frog was lying? "'Not the frog. Wait, he's not done,' they said. "'Please listen,' said Arthur.' It wouldn't be fair to let you think I did everything by myself. I had a helper. For the second trick, he saw the card and told me what it was. And Henry, well, my helper was whooshing him in the air. By now, the audience was terribly confused. Who? What helper? It was just a regular frog? But some frogs fly. No, squirrels, not frogs. Whooshing? So everyone in the audience is super confused what he's talking about. Arthur went on. My brother Stanley helped me. He fixed it for me to be on this show. He's a really nice brother, and I thank him a lot. Teddy Talker had sprung to his feet. Ladies and gentlemen, may I now present a very special guest who has been here all along—the Invisible Boy, Stanley Lambchop. Stanley came onto stage carrying his smiley face balloon. Arthur put out his hand, and the audience could tell that Stanley had taken it. There was tremendous applause. The brothers bowed again and again, Stanley's balloon bobbing up and down, Arthur's smile was plain to see, and Mr. and Mrs. Lambchop, as they applauded, thought that even even the balloon's painted smile seemed brighter than before. "'I have two children myself,' said the lady behind them, both entirely visible and without theatrical flair. "'We are a very usual family.' "'As are we,' said Mr. Lambchop, smiling. "'Mostly, that is. What makes them a little unusual?' Because we would get surprises yeah. every once in a while. Yeah, every once in a while. Stanley something happens to Stanley. Arthur left the stage. No, not always just Stanley because once there's a prince, remember? That's, oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Arthur left the stage and Stanley sat on the sofa between the sausage writer and the beauty contest winner and answered Teddy Talker's questions. He had no idea how he became invisible, he said, and it wasn't actually a great treat being that way since he often got bumped into and had to keep reminding people he was even there. After that, Teddy Talker thanked everyone for coming, and the show was over. Back home, Arthur felt the evening had gone well. I got a lot of applause, he said, but maybe it was mostly because of what Stanley did. I shouldn't be too proud, I guess. Poise and good humor contribute greatly to a performer's success, said Mrs. Lambchop. You did well on both those counts. Return Henry in the morning, dear. Time now for bed. And that is the end of chapter five.